When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh, heck yeah. Can you feel it, right? It's that big fight feel ahead of this Saturday in the sport of boxing when WBO unbeaten welterweight champion Terrence Crawford welcomes former two-time champion Sean Porter. It goes down in Las Vegas on ESPN pay-per-view. So good of a fight, right? That we had to do something special here on MK Morning Combat. Let's call this the boxing breakdown. Your boy BC sliding in to get you prepared, fired up, and ready for the fight this weekend. Really looking at three different things. Why it matters, what to watch for, and who wins and why when these two great elite 34-year-old welterweights touch gloves. Uh, Please like and subscribe to what we do here on Morning Combat. If you're new to here, this is the most dynamic combat sports show in the game today. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, live on the YouTube's 11 a.m. Myself and the great Luke Thomas. There are our handles below. But right now, your boy VC is going to take you down boxing lane. Whether you're a casual, whether you're a hardcore, I hope there's going to be something for you. Just a reminder, you can check out my full interviews with Crawford and Porter on YouTube.com slash Morning Combat. We're going to hear little snippets from that today, little appetizer. But let's get into this fight. It's going to go down Saturday inside the Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. And why that matters to me is it's one of boxing's great, intimate, amazing venues that I don't think gets used enough today. You may remember De La Hoya Trinidad was there. De La Hoya Vargas. Corrales Castillo won. Pac Marquez 2. Mayweather Castillo 2. I think the, the biggest fight in recent years was the 2015 Cotto Canelo that was there. We, we're usually at the MGM Grand. We're usually at T-Mobile Arena. But we're back in this one on Saturday night. And while this fight is flying a little bit, under the radar, I think it's going to overachieve in a big way. If, if I can compare it to something, it might be that great Miguel Cotto, Shane Mosley, welterweight battle at Madison Square Garden back in 2008. Remember that one sliding just a little under the radar, and we got 12 rounds uh, of tense action, a little bit of a war, high skill, high pace. I think we're going to get that again today. So why does this fight matter? Well, off the top, it's two of the best fighters in the world. This welterweight division in the modern era is the sex division. It's the money division. We love heavyweights. Heavyweight's the gateway drug for casuals. But the welterweight fighters pay the bills. They're the pay-per-view stars. And Terrence Crawford is is no worse than number four pound for pound. You could see him as high as number one, even with Canelo's greatness. I've got him at number three right now, but I've had him as high as two. He he belongs there. And the only question uh, really coming in is, is... is, you know, has he fought enough truly elite guys to deserve that? Well, some of the pound-for-pound 
you know, voting and judging is done on the eye test. It just is. And Terrence Crawford is right there. And Sean Porter has been lingering around that 10 to 20 spot in the pound for pound. He's pound for pound level ability. Sometimes he loses the big fights because he's just so willing to take them all on. But you've got two of the best welterweights in this, you know, bloated, amazing era at 147 pounds coming together for Crawford's title. But most importantly, the exciting styles clash is why we are so excited. Because who are these guys if you don't know? Well, Terrence Bud Crawford can absolutely do it all. He's thin and wiry. He could outbox you from the outside with that incredible reach. But it's the, his ability and his love for getting dirty and getting in there and fighting. He has an incredible backbone. He's a true uh, G underneath that. He's a gangster in there. If you come and make him fight, oh, oh, he'll fight. He'll fight. He can knock you out with shots you don't see coming. He, you know, is he a one-punch knockout artist? Not necessarily, although he's finished guys to the body. But he hits you with those stiff, fast, hard shots that you don't see coming. He can fight any style. He can switch stances. He's a genius in there. He really has the feel. Even at 34, yeah, maybe uh, a little bit too long down the road without facing the super elite because of boxing's politics. But Terrence Crawford has shown us up to this point that he is a truly special all-time great fighter. And if he can finish his career fighting the big names that 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 he should, you know, he has a chance to be the the Ray Leonard of this era. And and that's huge praise. But this kid is something next level different. Well, who is Sean Porter? You know, he's a little bit more blue collar. He's won titles in two divisions. Crawford's won titles in three divisions. But Porter's done most of his work at, at 147 pounds. And he's been a champion two different times. And he always faces the best. But the key to who Porter is today at 34 is he has evolved his style so incredibly well. He used to be sort of a, a running back in the wrong sport. And he'd come at you uh, with full fury. But he's ironed that out. He's added footwork, feints, punches from different angles. He's very unpredictable in there. So when you get a guy who who you don't know what you're going to see out of him, some hybrid of multiple styles, and you put him in there with a truly elite guy in Crawford who can fight against every style and can employ any style, you're going to see fireworks. You're going to see extreme skill. You're going to see adjustments, drama, flows uh, in ebbs and all that great stuff. And, and while we all love a an absolute brawl, we all love our fights of the year to be hairy, right? Really the best fights, the ones that we truly remember are those high-speed chess matches where, yeah, you get your action, but you're going to get skill. It's going to be thoughtful. And this is that matchup. Number two, why does this matter? We're going to find out who Bud Crawford really is. And I tease that. So he's won titles in three weight classes. He's already been recognized for years, you know, at the top of the pound for pound. But the, the not against him, the reason why unified unbeaten champion Errol Spence, who, yes, we all want the two of them to fight, uh, is, is sometimes rated just a, a tad higher than Crawford is because once Crawford uh, got to 147 pounds, which which has been the last four years, he's been on an island in terms of the how boxing works. He's been with top ranking ESPN. 95% uh, of the welterweights who matter are with PBC, Showtime, and Fox. And... Uh, both sides, or, or depending on who you blame, uh, you know, haven't been willing or haven't been wanting. Uh, Bud Crawford told me himself he thought that PBC's been freezing him out. They don't want him to go in there and beat their best. So how did this fight happen? Thanks to the WBO. We don't thank the sanctioning bodies all that often because typically they are more about what's wrong with boxing than what's what's good. They ordered Sean Porter as the mandatory. And with Crawford in the final fight of his top-ranked deal, uh, we don't know. He doesn't know what's going to happen next. He's going to listen to all suitors. 
it kind of made sense for for top rank and ESPN potentially if this is their last fight. Hey, let's go big. Let's approve this fight. Let's bring in Sean Porter and let's get find out who this guy is. And here's why that matters. Of course, it's obvious why it matters. But when you've got somebody like Crawford who's showing you generational talent, you want to see it. You want to see him against the best. Uh, you know, lightweight. He beat Ricky Burns. He he beat Yoriokas Gamboa when he was unbeaten to win a title in a fantastic fight at 140. He was an undisputed champion, the only one in junior welterweight history. There weren't a lot of big names in his era at the time, but he did have that unification fight with Victor Postal, who was world-class, and Bud dropped him twice and absolutely dominated that. But at welterweight, it's been the, the Jeff Horns, the washed versions of Amir Khan and Kel Brook. You know, some of these in-between guys, it's just been who's available to him. Well, now we get to see him against a guy who, who, you know, historically matters in Porter, who has a shot at being a Hall of Famer, who has always fought the best. Hopefully this is just the beginning with Terrence Crawford being a free agent, but this is uh, what we've been waiting for for a long time to validate, not only validate who he is, but I think a lot of us tend to think that there is a lot more that Crawford has in there that he just hasn't had to show because you don't really find out how great you are. Let's think of Ray Leonard, right? When Ray, Sugar Ray Leonard fought Thomas Hearns for that incredible 1981 welterweight unification bout, which, you know, leading in the buzz, the build was one of the biggest fights in boxing history. I really mean that. You know, you you, you were going to find out once they were pushed who they really are. And when Ray Leonard was down on the cards and Angelo Dundee, his trainer, saying, you know, you're blowing it, son. We found out when he rallied and stopped Hearns, potentially down on the scorecard. We need that for Bud Crawford. That's why this matters. And number three about why this fight matters is Sean Porter's finally getting his due. You know, I mean, do you remember that big fight two years ago against uh, Errol Spence Jr., a fight of the year contender? Spence wins a, a thrilling split decision. Do you remember what uh, Errol Spence said in the buildup to that? I, I hosted the PBC face-to-face -face show on Fox where they argued and, and, and went back and forth. Errol Spence said, hey, Porter, okay, you know, you're good, but you're an in-shape street fighter. And I, and I say that because there was a reputation with Porter for a while. Remember his 2017 dismantling of Andre Berto on Showtime where, you know, he did the old Sean Porter stuff, which is lead with the elbows, the heads, the shoulders, the knees. He was rough and tumble. Uh, he's got the scar tissue to prove it. He'd get you into a war. And I think that people looked at him as a little bit of an overachiever a great opponent at the elite level, but not a historically relevant guy. And then you hear Sean Porter at Tuesday's, uh, I thought it was the press conference, turns out it was the grand arrival type sit down on stage there where he said, look, this fight to me on Saturday against Crawford has a chance to cement my Hall of Fame resume. That's why it's not winner go, you know, go home. It's winner nothing. And I think for some of us, it's like Sean Porter, a future Hall of Famer, really? But look at since 2013, who this guy has fought at 147 pounds and fought these guys when they mattered, fought Devin Alexander for the title when he had one loss and, and stopped him, you know, fought unbeaten Kel Brook, fought a Paulie Malignaggi who still had it, beat a Birdo who still had it, fought Keith Thurman in an absolute war when he was unbeaten and lost by a hair, beat an elite Danny Garcia who had one loss, went in there against unbeaten Spence. Oh, took a close victory from your Dennis Ugas. This guy, Sean Porter, has fought everyone who has mattered in this welterweight era with the exception of Mayweather and Pacquiao. And oh, by the way, he was publicly knocking on the door and came close in, to some degree in fighting both of those. Uh, it seemed Floyd never really wanted that type of opponent, that type of smoke, a guy who's quick and aggressive who will make him fight. 
And Pacquiao and, and Sean came pretty close in the past two years to making a fight happen, and it fell apart at the last minute. So to see Porter now getting getting the nod of not only are you a great fighter who has improved and evolved and added wrinkles, but you know, you might have the best resume among these welterweights. I mean, the resume is not better than Pacquiao's. Are his wins better than Spence's? Maybe not. But Porter always comes to fight and fight the best. So to see him get that love at age 34, get the media close up for this pay-per-view. I mean, why is Sean Porter such a great broadcaster? You know, BC and Sean Porter uh, used to get down on the Ring City USA series together. Uh, he's, a, he's a great sort of ambassador for this sport, and it's great for him to finally get that and see that uh big topic number two is is sort of what to watch for when these two finally touch down and touch gloves and you know i mentioned that spence fight two years ago uh porter lured spence into a brawl and and, and i think it raised a lot of our our recognition and expectation of who he is and, and can he fight on this level sean porter very much can fight on this level but crawford on the other hand he's knocked out everybody he's faced at welterweight but it hasn't been against the super elite, as I mentioned. And he did have that mini hiccup two fights ago against Egidus Kavaliauskas. We know him as Mean Machine, who came to win that night, was a brawler. He dropped Bud Crawford. Was that a, a tease, a harbinger of doom? Is Bud either slipping a bit at 34 or maybe not the fighter we actually think he is by the, by the eye test of him destroying B-level guys, C-level guys? Or was it one hiccup in one fight? That That's part of what we need answered in this fight. And it's something, you know, certainly to watch for. But number one on what to watch for in this fight is Sean Porter. Which style will he employ? Which style gives him the best chance to compete? He's a, he's an underdog. He's, he's a healthy underdog. Not an overwhelming one, but a healthy one because of how great Crawford is. But Sean Porter is also going to have to overcome a five and a half inch reach advantage. He's going to fight a guy who's probably a little faster than him probably a little bit more powerful than him in terms of just pure punching power, but Sean's more rugged. He's more muscular. He's going to have, uh, he's going to have to get inside, but which specifically is the best style to use? So I mentioned, you know, you go back to the Berto fight that and before Sean Porter against Kell Brook, this was straight ahead, Sean Porter. And I think the reason why he has utilized different styles at times or had to utilize is, you know, sometimes guys like, like a Bud Crawford, Use all styles because they can, because they master the game. And I think sometimes you become a multi-style employer in boxing because you have to. And I say that not necessarily as a slight. I mean, look at Shane Mosley, a smaller welterweight who never really had a jab, was a power puncher, but was a little bit of a tweener. I think Sean Porter at the end of the day is a tweener. And, and that is, a, I don't want, I, I want to be like, I don't want to disrespect, but it is a negative term. And what that essentially means is you're not as great of a pure boxer to just rely on that. And you're not as big of a finisher to be known as a puncher and just rely on that. So to get the best out of yourself, you've got to completely round out your game and you sort of fit in between the two labels of boxer or puncher or both. Now, Sean Porter is both, but he's done really well to mix those hybrid styles together. 
and and no one to employ them, no one to mix them up. And the two styles are the straight ahead, aggressive leap to get inside on you, throw big hooks and combinations, not care about what you have to endure back. And Porter does have a very good chin. Although remember he was dropped by Spence late in that fight. He suffered a flash knockdown in the final round against Adrian Broner on a beautiful uppercut uh, Broner, by the way, another guy he fought when Broner was still in his prime and still relevant. Um, Porter's got a great chin. He'll get inside on you, but for him to really have true success over the course of the fight, it was the development of his footwork. And the first fight that really showcased that was the 2018 fight with Danny Garcia, in which uh, Danny Garcia is a very good boxer and a very powerful counterpuncher. But among the elites at welterweight, Garcia has slow feet. And Porter exposed that brilliantly using heavy feints, using quick footwork patterns to get in, get out, constantly circle away, but, but be herky-jerky. This is what makes Sean Porter great. When he's helter-skelter, when he is constantly in a rhythm that you can't pick up, that is when he's at his best. But the potential problem for him is using that herky-jerky style works best against guys who are slower than you who if you can become erratic and hard to pick up and hard to time and you have the speed advantage, that's when you have the advantage. It's still unknown against a boxer as brilliant and pure and this quick as Crawford. And when I say quick, I mean quick feet, quick hands, quick twitch fibers and athletically to be able to respond. You know, Bud Crawford may have the edge in all of those categories against Porter. So if you're team Porter, do you do you bum rush the yo bum rush the show public enemy? Do you do that? Do you try to outbox him? Do you try to mix it? This is a very important question, and luckily I did get some time this week with Sean Porter. You can check out that full interview as I mentioned, but where I asked him straight up, what style to implore against Bud Crawford? What version of your chameleon self is going to give you the best chance to win? Let's hear what he had to say. You know what I think. Um... I think the number one thing is not to outthink yourself. And so I think it's going to take a, a mixture of all of those styles, but you just got to play it right. I'm not going to adjust if there's nothing to adjust to. And with that being said, I'm going to come to the ring prepared to be my chameleon, the chameleon that I am. But uh, if one style's working, we'll keep it moving. But, you know, he's very good at making adjustments. He's very good at picking up the speed and the tempo and the rhythm of his fighters. So, you know, uh, we're prepared to do multiple things, counter punch, be aggressive, the whole nine. Um, but if we find one thing that's working, we'll stick with it until we need to make another adjustment. You know, why this fight has so much potential to be great is certainly the high pace and action that we're probably going to see from two hungry guys who are going, that's a key. They're both hungry and they'll go after it. They both have that thing I call the go get it. There were, there were some people through the years that said, you know, Floyd's great, but Floyd wins when he can control the terms of the fight. And it just so happens that he always controls the terms of the fight. Floyd might not have that same go get it like Sugar Ray Leonard had, where if he was down on the cards or it was close, he would go after it. They both have that. That's why I love this fight. But even deeper is what is, is kind of what Sean alluded to right there. The fact that both of them, excuse me can fight both styles and so seamlessly float between multiple styles is going to create the potential for so much ebb and flow for adjustments and adaptions. And that's going to be the true, uh, you know, fuel, the true, the juice of what is going to make this fight so great. Uh, the best example of that, the best example of high speed chess I can give you, if you're looking for a fight that might show uh, what this fight could be at its best, 
is the fight from 2000 Staples Center, Oscar De La Hoya against Shane Mosley for the welterweight title. Mosley was moving up two weight classes and they had just an epic duel in which they basically took turns trading two rounds at a time. The other one making adjustment, both of them just letting their hands go uh, with speed, but with thoughtful combinations and technique and really using their brains. That was that's probably my, you know, my second or third favorite fight of all time. And usually our favorite fights of all time are like, you know, Hagler Hearns, Gotti Ward, Corrales Castillo, rightfully so. But this is one of those fights that, that makes that list because of the skill and the want from both of them. This could be that if Sean is able to really be thoughtful in how he switches up the styles to know when the right time is to bum rush, to know when the right time is to use those awkward foot patterns in, in herky jerky motions. Can that make Bud Crawford have to chase and adjust? I don't know, man, but I mean, I, I want to say no because Bud is that guy. But again, it's different when Bud's facing diary Jean or when Bud's facing, uh, you know, I'm not trying to disrespect these guys, but, you know, old Hank Lundy, John Molina Jr., Felix Diaz, Julius Ndongo, Jose Benavidez Jr., Mean Machine, Wash Kell Brook, they're not on Sean Porter's level. So we don't actually know what that's going to look like. So, of course, I did my due diligence and said, hey, bud, you know you got Sean Porter. You know he does multiple stuff. Oh, by the way, let me, let me throw in one extra aside in this. I did ask Sean Porter, though, you can fight all those styles. But do you have to be wary of pushing Bud Crawford too much? Because the best compliment I can give Bud is what I said earlier. He's got that backbone. That Omaha, that North Omaha upbringing is no joke. You make Bud Crawford fight you as Yorker Scamboa did. And you may be able to land big shots. You may be able to have moments. But he's going to sit down on those punches and stop being a boxer and try to knock you the, the, the fuck out. All right? And I said to Sean, you know, you is that what you want? Be careful what you asked for. Sean said, I'd prefer that kind of fight. I'd prefer to bring out the, the OG inside of Crawford. So that's something to look out for. But I did ask Bud the same question. Which version of Porter are you preparing to see? Well, you know, I got to prepare for everything. You know, his speed, his movement, his aggressiveness, his... Uh... His wide shots, you know, his head button, the elbows, you know, a lot of things, you know, but that's why we practice and that's why we go to the gym and, you know, we prepare for the fighter that's in front of us. Notice that uh, Bud, who, let's be fair, doesn't like to do interviews, doesn't like to talk a lot. If you can get him to laugh, if you can get him to emote in any way, yeah, you won, right? You won. I've been interviewing Bud for years and I've failed them many a times. I've taken those L's. But something Bud did mention there is, you know, the elbows, the knees. Sean Porter was once labeled as a dirty fighter, straight up. He hated that, that label. I used to interview him back and bring it up every time and he hated it. He hasn't leaned on that in a while. And when I say lean on that, poor Andre Berto. Now, for somebody to utilize dirty tactics, overly physical tactics. For them to be truly effective, you need an opponent who will succumb to it. You also need a referee willing on that evening to allow it. You look back at poor Andre Berto, still still looking for that harvest, by the way, Berto, love you. Uh, he got overwhelmed by Sean's aggressiveness. Not only did the, the elbows, the shoulders, all that stuff cause cuts, but Berto spent more time complaining to the referee 
who didn't necessarily bail him out. I'm trying to remember who was the ref that night. Uh, Mark Nelson, that fight was at the Barclay Center. Good old Mark Nelson didn't necessarily have the back uh, that night. He Look, uh, referees have different strike zones, and that's why you know every fight could be different. Why was Floyd Maidana 1 different than Floyd Maidana 2? Maybe because we had Tony Weeks in the first fight who kind of allows that stuff to go down. And then we had Kenny Bayless in the second, who's been called Floyd's caddy in the past. And while I don't think Kenny Bayless is a referee who, you know, favors anyone, he calls those balls and strikes pretty tight. He doesn't allow the infighting. If you've got a referee that allows the infighting, Sean Porter may end up bringing some of that. But Andre Berto was somebody who succumbed to it. He, he got knocked out sort of by tapping out. It was almost sort of like, man, man, enough with this. Like, enough with this. You ain't going to call this fight the right way. Uh, you know, it, it, you get in a fight or flight mode. You're either going to dig in and do it back to him and fight back, or you may give up. And I don't think Bud Crawford's going to give up at all. I think, in fact, you play dirty against Bud, probably going to give it right back to you. Probably going to fight you right back. Now, there's something to be said strategically, should Porter try? Like I mentioned earlier, should he try to lure Crawford into a brawl, into a fight? Should he attempt things that will frustrate the guy who is a little bit more skilled? I bet you he will. So that's certainly something to watch out for when we talk about which version of Sean Porter will we see. Because while I don't think he'll be able to use these fouls to make Bud quit or get him off of his game, will this help, though, incite a riot, a little bit of a brawl? Will that favor Sean Porter if they're brawling at close range? Yes, as the fighter with the reach and potential speed disadvantage, he's going to have to get inside. He's going to want to get inside. Look out for that. Also look out that cuts can be caused when you fight this style. Both Deshaun Porter, who look at him closely. He's a handsome guy. He dresses great. I don't know why he had the vest on on Tuesday's press conference. Like, the, like he's a member of the village people. And I called him out for it. Love you, Sean. But um, he can cut easily as well. So that could be a, a plus for him. It could be a negative if he tries to fight dirty early on. We'll see how Bud reacts. Porter hasn't done that in a while, but it's always in his back pocket to do so. Uh, let's look at before we close out on the Porter style clash, um, in, in terms of who he will be, he has evolved at a pretty rapid pace in the second half of his career. We haven't seen him in a real fight since Spence in 2019. He did come back during the pandemic in the empty arena and he beat Sebastian Formella from Germany, beat the bags off him. The guy was not on this level. It went the distance. Sean battered him, but we haven't seen Sean in a while in a, in a real fight. I did sort of ask him because of how rapidly you've evolved. How different will you be? What have you added to your game? You know, will we see a different guy than we last saw against Errol Spence Jr.? I'm 34 now. You know, uh, with age comes maturity, comes growth, uh, comes more understanding of who you are and uh, and what you want out of life. And I think that uh, uh, me being a year older, going through the pandemic, being with my family, family getting bigger, getting closer to my dad. I mean, the uh, numerous things have all made me better, a better person, better fighter. And uh, Saturday night is going to be great. Oh, boy. Every, I, I'm serious. I hear any, either of these guys talk about it. They get fired the hell up for this fight. Wow. Uh, what to watch for, number two, is, is, is there's something that happens in Bud Crawford fights. And when it happens, the entire tenor of the fights change. When, when Bud, an orthodox fighter, switches southpaw, he's not the type of fighter that switches back and forth throughout the fights. He is the type of fighter that once he makes that decision to go southpaw, the fight 
ends, not necessarily with a knockout right then, but he takes over control of it at such a rapidly dominant pace that none of his opponents have been able to properly adjust to that. Could it have been the ability level? I don't know. Can Sean Porter adjust to that? Well, that's something to watch out for because there's been many fighters through the years who try to employ a stance switch at certain points. They don't usually commit to it, though. It's hard to be the same fighter you are, southpaw, that you are orthodox or, or vice versa. Typically, it's your defense that ends up failing. I mean, we love it. We freaking loved it. When Eric Morales in the first Pacquiao fight switched to Southpaw in the 12th round for absolutely no reason, just because he loves to fight and nearly got knocked out despite winning that all-time great classic in 2005. You remember Larry Merchant asking him afterwards, and why'd you, why the hell did you do that? And Morales was like, did you like it? <laughs> and and uh, good old uh, Larry's like, yeah. And, 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 I mean, because he did that because we love it. Guys don't do that regularly. Marvin Hagler could switch stances effectively. Could box and brawl was the real deal. Bud Crawford is the real, real deal. And it's when he makes that decision to do that, he's so proficient with that left cross. He's so, there's something about him at Southpaw. He's friskier. He just moves better. The combinations flow easier. There's going to become a point in time when he makes that switch. Typically, you don't come back from it. Can Sean Porter come back from it? I got to wait and see this. But why and when does Bud Crawford switch? It's an interesting question. Your boy BC asked him it. Or is it know. just... <laughs> it's just instincts, I guess. Is that a strategy you believe could work against Sean Porter? I don't know, maybe, maybe not. You know, Sean Porter has been in the ring since a kid with Southpaw's orthodox uh, fighters. So there's nothing that he's gonna be surprised about. I, I, I tend to agree with that. I do wanna see if he can make that adjustment. And you know, bud, keeping, <laughs> keeping them cards close to the chest. Uh, if you want more from that interview, as I mentioned, youtube.com slash morning combat. Uh, Crawford may be soft-spoken, but he does give the details of why he believes PBC has fr frozen him out throughout the years uh, in terms of keeping their welterweights away from him. Also, what are his plans next as a free agent? Does he hold uh, some ill will to top rank for those public comments by Bob Aram, who claimed Crawford was never a draw? We never made money off of him. Check out that interview for more. Uh, when we stay within what to watch for, the final one is this. Can Sean Porter withstand the onslaught? I mentioned that, he, you know, he can get hit. He can get dropped. Spence dropped him late. Broner dropped him late. When you fight at times that aggressive and that reckless, you're going to be open to getting hit. Bud Crawford is, is not one to be messed with because he can hit you with those shots you don't see coming. They're insanely accurate. They're hard. They're fast. A late stoppage here for Terrence Crawford is 100% not out of the question. And this is where Sean Porter's really got to toe the line here in terms of what he told me, right? I, I want to push Bud. It's going to be better for me if I get Bud into a war. It also has the chance to, to potentially speed up his exit. I do agree with Sean Porter, though. The more he can make this anything but a traditional boxing match, the more avenues potentially open. If he can get Bud into a two-way standing battle, it's going to potentially you know, give him a chance to outwork him and smother him and maybe foul him, like I said. But I have got a lot of questions. One of them is, can Porter withstand the onslaught late? Should he get Bud into that fight? And also, can he successfully actually do that? So here's what I mean. Remember when 
Spence fought Mikey Garcia in that pay-per-view in 2019. And he purposely made a point to box from the outside because people said, oh, you're facing one of the pound-for-pound purest boxers in Mikey Garcia who's moving up two weight divisions. But there was people saying that, you know, there was there was some hipster upset picks that maybe Mikey could beat Spence. Spence took that personal that people thought he wasn't the same actual boxer, pure boxer, as Mikey Garcia. So what did he do? He went out there and whitewashed him. He went out there and shut the great Mikey Garcia out. Mikey Garcia has never been the same from that fight. Yeah, he put it on him late. But Spence said afterwards, I purposely didn't go for the knockout. I wanted to show everybody that if I want to at any time, I can stand on the outside and outbox this guy completely. By the way, I believe the same about Terrence Crawford, and I've always said it. Watch the early Terrence Crawford fights at 135 when he first arrived on the scene. First time we ever saw Terrence Crawford was against Brightest Prescott in 2013. Late replacement on HBO, moved up to 140, boxed brilliantly. He had a couple title defenses after that. Andre Klimov, those fights. It wasn't the exciting bud we see today, right? It was it was circle from the outside, use that reach and speed and just out. I feel like Crawford can outbox anybody if he if he has to or if he wants to. Luckily for us as inter, you know fans of entertainment, he doesn't. But entering that Spence Porter fight, I think Sean did a great job getting inside of Spence's head. And what we found out afterwards, after that thrilling 12-round split decision in which Sean Porter was able often to lure Errol Spence out of the idea of boxing and into a brawl, which again, favored his best chance to compete on that level. Errol Spence told me a couple of things in multiple interviews. One, that he completely abandoned his coach's game plan because he was overconfident that he could knock Sean Porter out. In fact, if you remember, if you watched me do the PBC face-to-face with him, you can pick it up on YouTube if you're still interested. There was a funny, great exchange where Spence was just like, look, Sean, look, okay, cool, buddy but I'm better than you. I'm faster than you. I'm stronger than you. And if it gets down to it, I know I got more dog than you. And I think there was a part of Spence in that fight, similar to wanting to prove that point against Garcia. That was like you athletic brawler. You think you can compete on my level in any category. I'm going to show you something. So I think Spence took Porter lightly, which is what Sean also believes as well. But it's Sean Porter who believes Spence didn't abandon the game plan as much as he forced Spence into a brawl. That's going to be something to watch out for. Whether Porter can take the the heat in the kitchen should it get there in a brawl, and whether he can get Bud Crawford off his game enough. And I know you're saying, hey, BC, I thought you just told us that Bud Crawford sometimes prefers to fight. He does. If you can fight with him on, on somewhat equal terms and get him into a fight, <laughs> he'll stand in there and take care of you. Can Sean Porter successfully get him into that? It's gonna, it's gonna need really a combination of of all the all the three points to watch for that I said. He's gonna have to vary his style. He's gonna have to toe the line of being dirty. He's going to have to make Terrence Crawford uncomfortable and uneasy. Because when Crawford is able to dictate the terms of a fight and he's done it against every name I mentioned, he's gonna kick the shit out of you. He's he is brilliant. What else do you want from Bud Crawford besides being a dynamic interview, right? He could go southpaw. He could he's got that long reach. He's inventive on the angles. Like when we always try to in our heads mentally handicap what Spence Crawford will look like if we ever see it. By the way, they're both, you know, getting closer to 35 and the politics don't make a lot of sense right now. It was always like two of the, you know, the two best in their era at welterweight, two potentially all-time great guys. But how I always looked at it was Spence is a little bit more orthodox 
than than Crawford. He's a little bit more Southpaw one two one two. You know, not basic because Spence can also do pretty much do it all, but he's not the abstract painter. Terrence Crawford is. He's not the guy who who can just do things that you didn't assume or think was coming. Crazy combinations, you know, inverted combinations where you're leading with your lead hand, just, you know, body shots, uppercuts. Terrence Crawford is a bad dude. Can Sean Porter get him off of plans, you know, A, B, and C? Because to beat somebody like Terrence Crawford, short of getting him into a war and rolling the dice and hoping that you're the better soldier, you are going to have to make championship-level adjustment upon championship-level adjustment. To Sean Porter's credit, he did a lot of that against Errol Spence in a close split decision. But Spence was very willing to engage, and Spence also dropped him late. Can Sean Porter withstand the onslaught? Your answer to that question is going to dictate a lot what is the final part of our segment. Who wins between these classic great welterweights and why? Well, you saw those odds we flashed on the screen. It's Terrence Crawford's fight to win. Is Sean Porter at his very best, a, a possible future Hall of Famer because he's always fought the best. He's lost some. He's won more than he lost. Or is Sean Porter, and this is disrespectful, but some people believe it, is he just a perfect dressed-up B-side? A guy who can give you a very tough fight. I mean, I hate to say this about the great Wilfred Benitez, the Puerto Rican Hall of Famer, one of the best of all time. He played that role for the Four Kings. Okay, you know, he's got he's got a win in that series, but you know, he's the guy who came up just short against them. He, you know, some people say he should have been the fifth king. Is Sean Porter the fifth king, more or less, in this in this great era? You know, because he came up that short against against Keith Thurman. He lost to a prime Kell Brook. He beat your Dennis Ugas, who just beat Pacquiao, although I thought I thought the judge missed the 12th round knockdown that would have given Ugas the win there. Sean Porter's beaten guys like Danny Garcia, but he's also given great fighters as much of a fight as they can handle to bring out what makes them great. Keith Thurman's not great anymore. I'm sorry, he's not. He's been inactive. He's been injured. I don't think he's really interested in this game anymore, and I hate to say that out loud. But the Keith Thurman that Sean Porter fought in that epic, epic 2016 unification fight on CBS, by the way, people forget that they just, if you, if you want to know who Sean Porter is, go watch Keith Thurman versus Sean Porter. It is 12 thrilling rounds. It, that's basically, that's basically De La Hoya Mosley won. That's the fight. I hope this can become Is Sean Porter, just that super, super elite B side who can push you, but not beat you. Or can he be something different? Man, you know I love me some Sean Porter, okay? Watch that interview I just did with him. There's chemistry there. We're great on the air together. I don't know if that series has ever come back, but we're great on the air together. I don't think he's as great as Terrence Crawford. So for him to win this fight, he has to dramatically change the narrative. He's got to regularly change the narrative, but he's got to do it dramatically. He's a, he's a clubbing puncher. He's not a one-punch knockout guy. He's a quick boxer, but he's not a better boxer than Crawford. So Porter's going to have to fight the fight of his lifetime to be in a position to beat Crawford on the cards because I don't think he's stopping Crawford. Bud got dropped by Mean Machine. He got rocked by Gamboa. But Bud's, Bud's got a jawline on him. Bud's got a backbone on him. 
go visit North Omaha. Tell, you know, tell me how you made out right there. I mean, there is that story that time when that car detail detailer did Bud's Oldsmobile wrong and Bud went in there and whipped him up. I mean, Bud, Bud's that dude. All right. Bud's that dude at the end of the day. <sighs> is Porter's ceiling is his best possible outcome in this fight. What he did to Spence got him off his game plan and pushed him and lost by split decision because he was dropped late. I think that's the ceiling for Sean Porter. And if you're watching this, Sean, prove me wrong. Please prove me wrong. Because you proved me wrong against Danny Garcia. And you proved me wrong against Daryl Spence and a few other times in between. You know, I didn't think you were going to mow down Devin Alexander and even Paulie Malnagy at that point in his career the way you did. Sean Porter has surprised us because he never stops working. His dad, Kenny Porter, is an incredible trainer. They see things. They see angles. They feel like they see something in Bud. And there's also one other part, and it could play a factor in this fight, is what we've seen out of Terrence Crawford. I know I teased it earlier, but is what we've seen out of Terrence Crawford a little bit of fool's gold? Can you be that great against those other names and still be the same guy against the best names? Well, when Bud fought the best guy he has fought at 135, Gamboa, he was that guy. When he fought the best guy he fought at 140, Victor Postal, he freaking was that guy. I tend to believe more that Bud Crawford is the best, you know, potentially uh, the 147-pound fighter of this era. And in modern boxing, that freaking matters because who were the guys of their welterweight eras of late? Oh, I don't know. Sugar Ray Leonard? Um, Thomas Hearns, Oscar De La Hoya, Felix Trinidad, Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather, right? I think Terrence Crawford's of that ilk. I think he's in that club. So Sean Porter's going to, going to, he's going to get knocked down on this fight once, maybe twice. I do think he goes the distance. I do think he puts on a hell of a performance and makes this fight a hell of a show. But Terrence Crawford is that abstract painter. Oh, you want to try this against him? Here's a shade. Here's a shade of gray and something in between that you never thought of, right? A little kind of crow shout out there. Um, I like Terrence Crawford by unanimous decision. It's not impossible that he stops him. And I think this only continues to add to Sean Porter's legacy as a future Hall of Famer who always sought out to fight the best, always sought out a way to be different than he was the fight before but ultimately came just short in, in most of these when it truly mattered. Doesn't mean he's done. Doesn't mean he's not going to rematch Danny Garcia and Keith Thurman and maybe fight a Jerron Boots Ennis one day. Doesn't mean he might not fight Manny Pacquiao. By the way, I just want to let people know something, okay, if they haven't followed boxing close enough to know the patterns. Manny Pacquiao's not done, okay? I know he retired, but uh, he's going to come back from losing that election. He's probably going to get an insane sick shape, and he's probably going to come back and win another big fight. That's just who he is. Porter's still going to get big fights. That's just who he is. Terrence Crawford by unanimous decision. I uh, gave you a lot of words here, but I felt it was important. I felt this fight really needed the close-up that the two personalities and the lack of, you know, trash talk between them maybe won't give it. But this fight is as good as it gets in boxing. It's, it was a rare treat that it fell in our laps because of a mandatory position. And I think both fighters have that go get it. <laughs> They're going to get after it. So enjoy the fights on Saturday. I believe Luke Thomas will have your instant analysis as I am sipping pina coladas on the beach in Jamaica. Uh, signing off for now, your boy BC, this was the MK Boxing Breakdown. Two words. We out.